Proverbs 31 Ministries podcast, where we share biblical truth for any girl in any season. I'm your host, Meredith Brock, and I'm here with my co-host, Kaylee Olson, and our very special guest, Lisa Turkhurst. Hey, guys. Hello. Thank you, Meredith. Well, this episode is releasing in December 2018, and it's actually our last episode of the year. I'm kind of sad about that because we've been on a roll here for a while. I know. So I think that we need to catch our listeners up to speed on all the exciting things we've done this year at Proverbs 31 Ministries, because if you just listen to this podcast, then you don't know all the amazing things that we've gotten to do. So buckle up. We've done five online Bible studies this year, completed six studies in the first five app, hosted our annual She Speaks conference in July, as well as a brand new conference called She Speaks Studio in November. Lisa released two books and embraced, that was back in March, which is hard to believe that was so long ago. And as well as her new book, It's Not Supposed to Be This Way, that released last month on November 13th, I believe was the day. That's right. And we launched this podcast. I kind of want to take a nap just thinking about all that stuff. (laughs) That is a lot. We have thousands of listeners every month, and we're so grateful for each and every one of you. So to kick off our last episode of 2018, we brought on the best of the best, Lisa Turkhurst herself. She's here with us now to share a teaching from her new book, It's Not Supposed to Be This Way. Well, thanks, Meredith. Thank you, Kaylee. Um, I'm going to jump right into teaching today uh, because we left off back in November for that podcast where we were unpacking some of the events that happened in Genesis Mm -hmm. chapter 2 and Genesis chapter 3. And just to finish up exactly uh, where we left off, uh, the woman does engage in Genesis chapter 3 with the temptation of the serpent or the enemy. Um, She takes some of the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that that God said, you can eat from all the trees in the garden, but don't eat from this one tree. Mm-hmm. Um, she takes it, she eats it, she gives some to her husband, Adam, who was with her. He eats it. The eyes of both of them are opened. Now sin has entered in. Then there are consequences that get handed down. And then um, we come to the very end of Genesis chapter three, and that's where I want us to pick up today. But to to give you a broad sense of exactly where we're going. Remember I said in November um, in our podcast, the human heart was created in the context of the perfection of the Garden of Eden, mm-hmm. but we don't live there anymore. Mm-hmm. And we're about to see at the very end of Genesis chapter 3, verses 21 through 24, that Adam and Eve are ushered out of the garden. So perfection has ended. And then what's really interesting is the rest of the middle Bible, the middle part of all of the Bible from the end of Genesis 3 all the way to the end of Revelation, this is our journey outside of the context of the perfection of the Garden of Eden. Now, to give you a little biblical orientation, let's look at the last two chapters of the Bible. Revelation uh, 21, starting in verse 3, says this, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Mm -hmm. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then Revelation 22 is tied 
titled in my Bible. This is the last chapter of the Bible, and it's titled Eden Restored. Mm -hmm. Verse 3 of Revelation 22 says, no longer will there be any curse. In other words, the Bible begins in the perfection of Eden, Mm -hmm. and it ends in the perfection of Eden. But all the pages between Genesis 3 and Revelation 21 are showing us how to do this life between two Mm -hmm. gardens. And we get such a clue from Revelation 21 talking about how the old order of things will pass away and everything will be made new. But this life between two gardens will be filled, just like it says in Revelation 21.4, it will be filled with death and mourning and crying and pain. Like those words are very difficult words. In other words, this life between two gardens is hard. The human heart doing context, doing life outside the context of perfection is very, very hard. Mm -hmm. Now, we find that God doesn't strip the awareness of perfection out of the human heart. Mm -hmm. When Adam and Eve leave the garden, there's nothing that indicates that their awareness of what perfection is was taken out of their heart. And at Mm -hmm. first, that may seem like such a cruel thing, but it's quite a gift that doesn't feel like a gift at all, Mm -hmm. that we do this life between two gardens and that there, uh, there is nothing on this side of eternity that will ever be the perfect match for all of our expectations. There's nothing on this side of eternity that we will find that's perfect except for God himself. Because if there was anything in our life that fully met every expectation and that wasn't disappointing and that was absolute perfection, we would settle for lesser things. But because God himself is the perfect match, then he's the only one that can ultimately satisfy us. I don't think disappointment is God's way to confuse us or make us hurt or to disillusion us in any way. I think it's his way of leading us home. Mm. Because we're never satisfied on this side of eternity, we have an anticipation for what eternity with him will be like. But let's go here to Genesis chapter 3, verses 21 through 24, because I want to show you something important. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Verse 23, so the Lord God banished him from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. And at first I read those words. And I'm like, wow, God banished them from the garden? Mm -hmm. That seems so harsh. But if you look at the scriptures very specifically and carefully, you'll notice that God says, now that sin has entered in, now that Adam and Eve have an awareness of the difference of good and evil, now that, that their bodies are in a state of physical decay, because that's what happens when sin enters in. And worse yet, now that they are separated spiritually from me because of their sin-soaked reality, they must not be allowed to stay in the garden because if they do, remember there was a second tree in the garden. Besides the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, there was also the tree of life. If they would take from the tree of life and eat, it would have perpetuated them in their sin-soaked state 
forever. Mm. And God loved them too much to be separated from them forever. So he sends them out of the garden. That's what the original meaning of that word banished. It's actually not banished. It's God sent them out of the garden. God Mm. sends them out, not as an act of cruelty, Mm. but as an act of great mercy so that they could receive a gift that's not going to feel like a gift, the death of their physical body, so that they could experience the resurrection of a healed and whole body that could come back in communion with God. And of course, we know that God had a plan in that moment now for His Son, Jesus, to also, like John 3.16, when God gave His one and only Son— If you go back into the original language there and dig around, the derivative of that word gave is actually also sent. So as Adam and Eve are being sent out, God already has a plan to send his son in, that if we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, he becomes the sacrifice, the covering of our sin, so that when we die, we can, our physical bodies die, but our heavenly bodies are resurrected in perfect communion with God again. So I guess I give you that so that you can understand the grand love story of the Bible. And as you take a step back, when you realize you're just doing life between these two gardens Mm -hmm. and that we're not in perfection, maybe we could take a step back from everything we face. Sometimes it's just the little disagreement with a friend and your friend goes silent for a while and it hurts and it's Mm -hmm. like consuming your thoughts and keeping you up at night. But maybe you could just say, of course, of course there are relationship rifts like this because we're doing life between two gardens or like, you know, any of the other disappointments that we face. It's almost like, well, of course that's happening because mm-hmm. I'm doing life between two gardens. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not always going to be this way, but it is this way right now. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I want us to, to look at one more garden in Scripture And I like to call it the middle garden. Um, Technically, it's called the Garden of Gethsemane. And this is where we see Jesus himself wrestle in his deepest disappointment, in his deepest sorrow in this life between two gardens. In Mark chapter 14, starting in verse 32, it says this, they, meaning Jesus and some of his disciples, went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He takes then Peter, James, and John along with him and began to be deeply distressed and troubled. Verse 34, listen to these words that that Jesus says here. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them, stay here and keep watch. I used to think Jesus was saying to the disciples, stay here and watch for the soldiers that are going to come and arrest me. And that may be part of it. But since Jesus was fully divinity and fully humanity, then he knew, he already knew when the soldiers were coming. And so I wonder if maybe part of this is him saying, stay here and watch what I do in my moment of deepest distress and sorrow, because you're going to need this in this life between two gardens. Verse 35, going just a little farther, still within eyeshot of these disciples, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Then listen closely to these words in verse 36, Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. In other words, God, you are so big and so strong and so mighty. 
There's nothing my God cannot do. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a child's Sunday school song. Yep. If you're familiar with it's it in my at head all, right now. <laughs> but everything is possible for you, God. You could change this. I know you could. And isn't that where our feelings and our faith often come into conflict? When we know our God is big enough and powerful enough to change our circumstances, and then He doesn't. And worse yet, we look around and we see him changing circumstances for other people, Mm -hmm. answering the very prayers that seem Mm -hmm. to go unanswered for us. But I want you to watch what Jesus does in this minute. He does ask God to change the plan. He does ask God to fix what needs to be fixed. He says, let this hour pass from me. Take this cup. I don't want these to be the circumstances of my life. And then he makes this glorious statement at the end of verse 36 in Mark chapter 14. Yet, not what I will, but what you will. And this is where I want us to land today because this is what has changed a lot for me. Mm. Even in the midst of circumstances that have seemed way too hard and way too long, I had to get to the point where I exchanged my will for God's will. And the only way I could do it is because I could stand in the certainty that He will. He will work this out. And to me, I feel like that's the epic thing that Jesus wanted us to learn in watching how He wrestled through Mm -hmm. this season, this moment, where He's saying, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Yet, not what I will— God, you could change the plan. I know you could, yet not what I will. God, I can make all kinds of suggestions of a better way for this to be handled, yet not what I will, but what you will. Isn't it interesting that when Jesus taught the disciples to pray, let's just look at Matthew chapter 6 for just a minute. And Jesus, this is daily. I think sometimes people think, okay, in my one Garden of Gethsemane moment, I will do this. Right. I'll trade my right. will for thy will. Yep. But in reality, it's a daily, sometimes hourly, right. sometimes moment-by-moment decision to release our will in exchange for God's will because we know He will even if we don't know exactly how he will, <laughs> right? right? Right. But watch, when Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew chapter 6, um, it says in verse 9, this is then how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Even at the beginning of his prayer, you see, this wasn't just a one-time decision for Jesus. This was every time he prayed. He had practiced exchanging his will for God's will. Mm -hmm. And over time, his faith muscle grew to the point where he was able to absolutely stand assured in that moment where he said to God, I don't like this. I don't want this. I want you to change the plan. Nothing about this feels right. Nothing seems right. And yet, not what I will, but what you will. Mm -hmm. The only way that I've found for me to do this, obviously, in my prayer time, day by day, increasing that faith muscle, my trust in God, Mm -hmm. exchanging my will for God's will constantly. The only way that I've found to layer a perspective or a filter over what I'm facing is to stand first in the midst of whatever I'm going through, big or small, and say, God is good. God is good to me. 
and God is good at Mm -hmm. being God. No human should have to carry the weight of being their own God, but so many of us try, and so many of us are completely exhausted by our circumstances. We feel like the promises of God no longer apply to us. Mm. We feel like His timing is questionable. We feel like His inter- His lack of intervention is hurtful, mm. and we don't know what to do. This is what you can do. Wow. This is what you can pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. God, you are good. Mm-hmm. You are good to me. You are good at being God. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Wow. I love that. I love um, one of the things that you said in your teaching, Lisa, and I, as you were saying it, I was... I had the strangest memory pop up in my mind of remember feeling distinctly this way in a season of my life. Um, you said, sometimes you'll be receiving a gift that doesn't feel like a gift at all. Mm. And I was, I, this is such a strange memory for it to even cross my mind. But I remembered um, when I was in college, I was dating a guy that I was certain I was going to marry him. I was certain we dated for multiple years. We had talked about getting married um, and there were people in my life at the time who knew that he was not the right person for me. Um, and they spoke into my life, a lot of wisdom and I was open and I remember praying, Lord, I'm open to whatever it is that you have, but what I want, I want to marry this guy. I really do. I want to marry this guy. And so if that's what you have for me, I'm like, that's what I want, but I want what you want in this scenario. And no joke. It was this, I won't even go into all the details, but I remember There was a random day and me and this individual looked at each other and we knew we were supposed to break up. We hadn't had some big fight. Mm -hmm. We hadn't had, there was no big explosion or anything. He loved the Lord, still loves the Lord. Um, But I remember, and I was honestly, it was the strangest feeling of being absolutely devastated. Mm -hmm. I was completely devastated of just feeling like, this is what I wanted. This was, but now when I look back, I can see that that decision to, to break up really was a, a gift from the Lord mm-hmm. because the man that I'm married to now is absolutely the man that I was supposed to be married to, mm-hmm. you know? And I just think that I, I want to encourage our listeners today, whatever it is that maybe there's a disappointment that you're wrestling with right now that mm-hmm. um, you just really can't make sense of, um, try to look at it from that perspective of that maybe this is a gift it may not feel like a gift, but mm-hmm. maybe it is. And re- learning to, you said it, and I kind of restated it in my words here, in my, in my own words, in my notes, is that learning to filter our circumstances through the fact that God is always working for our benefit, but mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes, here's the hard part, the benefit is closeness to him. Mm-hmm. not our comfort. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so sometimes that that benefit hurts mm-hmm. and it comes in a package that maybe we don't that maybe's not easy to receive. Mm-hmm. Um so Kaylee, what do you think about that? Well, I was just thinking about what you said about it not always being for our benefit, but it's for his benefit mm. because right now, y'all, we record these episodes before they're released. And so right now I'm reading through our uh, When Words Fail study of Psalms. And there was a question in the experience guide and it talked about everything being for God's glory. And that's just a hard thing to let settle in my soul because I think you have all these plans and you you hear God is going to work it out for good. Like 
he has you in mind, but he has me in mind because he has his glory in mind. And like, Mm -hmm. I'm here on this earth to be a vessel to bring him glory. And gosh, whenever I take a step back from whatever I'm wrestling with or how I want him to work things for my good and remember that, it's really hard because Mm -hmm. this life that we have is only just a blink in comparison to eternity. And eternity is going to be so much better than now, but it's just so hard to accept right now that Mm -hmm. it's not always about me. And I think that's just the selfish human nature that I have and that we all have. Mm -hmm. But how do do you come to peace with that? Like, how did you come to peace with that, Lisa? Well, I think a couple of things. One, I had to recognize that um, when I look at a situation, there is the physical reality that I see. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, there's also the miraculous that God is working. That's right. Mm-hmm. There is good that He is working. And those two things are simultaneously operating, even if I can't see the miraculous, even if I can't right. see the good, um, mm-hmm. it's still being worked out. Right. It's kind of like if you've ever taken, if you've ever flown in a plane and you've been on the runway and you look out outside and it is stormy and the clouds are gray, mm-hmm. and you would say, this is a rainy day. But then you take off, and as soon mm-hmm. as the pilot breaks through the clouds, yeah. the sun is still shining above the clouds. So then you would say, well, this is a sunny day. Well, which is it? Is it a <laughs> sunny yes. day, or is it a cloudy day? Right. It's both. It's both. Yeah. Right. And so that's the way I'm learning to look at circumstances mm-hmm. in my life. Is this a bad circumstance, or is it a good circumstance? It's usually both. Right. At right. the same time. And knowing and believing that in all of it, God's just exactly like you said, he's just leading us home. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. the whole story between mm-hmm. the two gardens is him saying, come home to me. Mm-hmm. Come mm-hmm. home to me. Mm-hmm. That's so all good. you really need is to come home to me. That's right. So and good. before we go to him, our home in eternity, we can find our heart's safe home here in his midst. That's why he says, abide with me, walk That's with right. me, talk with me, pray to me. That's right. You know, it's not because he needs all of that from us. It's because we need to receive all of that from Him. And it's really crucial. And that's why I wrote my new book, It's Not Supposed to Be This Way, because I want to acknowledge to people, as you look at the hard circumstances around you, you're right. It's not supposed to be this way. Right. But let me give you a perspective to hang on to as God leads you to it and through it, and He will absolutely lead you through it. That's right. That's right. And what a perfect message to wrap up 2018, mm-hmm. honestly. Um, the book released, It's Not Supposed to Be This Way, released about a month ago. Um, and I can't think of a better way to kick your year off than doing an online Bible study with this book. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think let's let's set the tone for 2019 um, and really dig into a community of gals that we're all just making imperfect progress together, mm-hmm. letting Jesus lead us home, abide yep. um, in Him. Um, and I'm really excited about it. We'll be kicking off the study in January. So make mm-hmm. sure grab your copy at 
p31bookstore.com and head on over to the website at proverbs31.org and sign up for the online Bible study because we want you to join us there. It's going to be a great time. Yes, yes, we do. And like I mentioned before, at the beginning of this episode, all the amazing things that Proverbs 31 gets to do all year long is free, like our online Bible studies, the First Five app, our devotions, even this podcast. We do it all because we believe that when a woman knows the truth of God's word and lives that truth out, it really does change everything. And we have really big goals for 2019, and we need your help. I don't know if you knew um, that Proverbs 31 Ministries is actually a complete nonprofit Mm -hmm. ministry run by donations. And if you're listening to this podcast has helped you know and live out the truth of God's Word better this year, or if any of our other free resources have ministered to you, would you consider giving? All you need to do is go to Proverbs31.org and click Donate to make a difference. Thank you for joining us today, and we will see you in 2019.